Hi, I'm really glad you joined us online today. A heart full of gratitude because of God's absolutely amazing grace that he has poured into our lives is what motivates us to please and obey him. I get motivated when I think of all the ways that God has poured his grace into my life. He forgives me. He provides much more than I deserve. When we were first starting the church, I I could not figure out how God was going to make the church happen. Uh, We were starting from scratch, and I was shaking in my boots, but I didn't have boots. I had shoes. But God helped all the way when we were starting and all the way through to the present day, and he will continue to help us accomplish our mission. One way God provided is that we were praying about getting some sound equipment so that we could, this was even before we had a band, and I I just wanted a keyboard so it could be played on Sunday mornings. Someone donated $20,000 worth of sound equipment, much more than we needed. This is what God always does. He graciously provides much more than we need to do what he wants us to do. And I'm very grateful when he does. It's gratitude that motivates us to give the first and best of our money, the first and best of our time, and the best of our relationships. The first portion of these things is a symbol that all the rest belongs to God. Self-interest is not a good primary motivation to serve God, (laughs) to obey him and serve him. Serving the Lord brings many benefits, but when we align with the way God made us, made life to work, he blesses. But he's also concerned with our motives. So self-interest is not a great motive in his mind. People were made to glorify God because he created us. Revelation 4.11, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. People were made to glorify God. And when they do, life syncs up the way God designed it to work. Glorify means to give God the proper weight of significance in your life. To make him the number one priority. And when you do that, he blesses far more than you could imagine. Here's a preview of the first and best series. Today, talking about amazing grace, the mercy and kindness of God, the work of Christ that he did on the cross, should stir our hearts to say, how can I respond to God's amazing grace and honor and obey him? February 19th, next week, the first and best of your money. Pastor Matt will talk about one way to respond in gratitude 
for what God has done for us. Give the first portion of your of your income. We're told to honor God with a tithe on the first fruits of our income. February 26, the next week, the first and best of your time. Pastor Thad is going to talk about honoring God with your time. You do that by giving the first day of the week, Sunday, and the first part of your day in prayer and Bible reading. March 5th, put God's people first. We please God when we put his people first in our lives by prioritizing our investment and the relationships in our congregation. For most of us, this uh, means CIV. This passage is typical of the way God's grace motivates us to do what he, he wants us to do. God's grace definitely motivates us. 2 Corinthians 8, 3 through 4. The churches in Macedonia, of their own free will, they begged us and pleaded for the privilege of having a part in helping God's people in Judah. They were motivated by the grace that God had shown them to contribute of their own free will to God's people who were hurting. This is a major motivator in our lives. This means that living for God is a get-to, not a have-to. Selfie is one of the strongest gods of our age. The god of selfie causes us to focus on ourself, self-interest. And so we don't want to serve God freely from the heart. Here's a couple taking a selfie. It's hard to enjoy the moment sometimes because you've got to capture it in a selfie. Here's a selfie of a woman. There's a lot of pressure to look good for these selfies. And it, it causes us to be preoccupied with something other than living in that moment for God. Here's a guy taking a selfie. Quite the opposite approach of, of the lady. He's kind of haggard for a picture, but most guys don't care how they look for a picture, but some of us certainly do. The amazing grace of God compels us to be preoccupied with something else. Second Corinthians five fourteen and 15 says, For the love of Christ controls us, because we are convinced that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. It's the love of Christ Jesus and his grace that compels us to be preoccupied with living for him. The word in Greek for control, which the New Testament was written in, means to press together, constrain, It is the pressure applied not so much to control us, but to cause action. It is a motivational force. 
The source of the pressure is the love of Christ here in this passage. The love and grace of our Lord compels and constrains us. It motivates us to live for him. This means we die to ourselves. This is what we do practically to live for him. It's it's obvious that we're living for him when we practice obedience in the way we live our lives, giving him the first and best of our money, not the leftovers, giving him the first and best of our time. We spend the first day of the week and the first part of our day or the best part of our day. It might not be, you might not be best in the morning, but you spend the best part of your day with the Lord in Bible reading and prayer. And we also make it a high priority to spend time with God's people. We have become family with God's people. So it's the amazing grace of God that motivates us to live for him. Here are just a few of the truths that compel us to live for him. First, we were dead in sin. Before we knew him. Ephesians 2, 1 and 2. And you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of the world, of this world. Dead people are dead. The Bible says we're born dead spiritually. Spiritually dead people can't do anything to help themselves. When we're dead, spiritually, we, we couldn't move. This is why Jesus needed to step in and help us when we couldn't help ourselves. We owe him our lives because of what he's done. Also, the power of sin is broken in our lives. Romans 6.14 says, For sin will have no dominion over you. Since you are not under the law, but under grace. The sin that reigned over our lives before we came to know Jesus Christ and follow him has no hold over us now. We only need to learn how to appropriate the work of Christ on the cross to get us free from the sin that hassles us. He defeated Satan, Colossians 2.15, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. The war was won by Jesus on the cross. Our enemy is defeated. So we only need to learn how to appropriate the victory of the cross and what he has done for us to win the battles against Satan. The war is won, for sure. One important thing we do in the battle against sin is confess. He cleanses us from our sins when we confess them. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. To confess literally means say it with. You say, you say the same thing God thinks about 
your sin. Basically, you agree with God about the sin you committed, and you're forgiven immediately when you confess. This is a crucial way we apply the grace of God to our lives. Forgiveness motivates us to live for God. When we give our lives to Christ to follow him, he adopts us as his children. This is an amazing thing. Romans 8.15 says, For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Abba is a word in Greek that means daddy. (laughs) So when we come to know and follow Jesus Christ as Lord, we have a close personal relationship with God, the Father, through Jesus Christ. And we call him daddy. We can call him daddy. We shouldn't take that for granted. Let the grace of God remind and motivate you to please him and serve him. In view of the grace of God, it is only fitting that people should live in a way that honors him. We were dead in our sins, and he made us alive and gave us a purpose for living. He broke the power of sin in our lives and set us free to serve him from the power of sin. It has no dominion over us any longer. On the cross, the clearest and amazing display, most amazing display of God's grace, he made a public spectacle out of our enemies. Jesus' death on the cross means that our sins are cleansed when we confess them. God has graciously adopted us into his family. And so we call him Abba, Daddy. He he does this when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior and follow him as Lord. All of this should motivate us to deliver the good news of the gospel. We're, we're not salespersons. We're delivery persons. <laughs> that's, that's it. And the message of the gospel, it's not intuitive. People won't figure it out on their own, so it has to be shared. You have to go from one person to the next. And it, it doesn't seem like a message on the amazing grace of God, uh, should occur without sharing the gospel of grace with you. The gospel is the heart of the Christian message. Here's a condensed version of what the Bible says is necessary to commit your life to Christ. And I I want to look at this because um, it it this is the story, this is the the information that has the power of salvation, but it's what motivates us to please and serve God.
The Bible says that God loves you and I and all people and wants you to experience abundant or real life. But rather than turning to God, every one of us began to sin, going our own way, trying to be our own boss. The result of this choice is our separation from God. The Bible says sin has cut us off from knowing God personally. So instead of experiencing the life and freedom God desires for us, people are dead spiritually, cut off from God, and actually in bondage to the enemy. To remedy the situation, God sent Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, to pay the penalty for our sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. The Bible says that all people without Jesus are destined for hell, but those who repent, those who turn around and yield their life to Jesus as the boss of their life, will become children of God and experience the life and the freedom God desires for them. That's the truth that compels us to live for God. The Father sent his Son into the world to die for us. The Son knew full well when he stepped into our world that he would suffer for the world. And he willingly submitted to the Father's will and obeyed even to death. This should motivate Christ followers to follow him, to obey him, and to live for him. Ephesians 1.4 says that God chose us even when we were dead in our sins and we weren't looking for God. We weren't searching for him. And it also says he drew us to himself. God draws him to himself. John 6.44 says that no one comes to the Father unless the Father draws him. If you've come to know Christ, you have felt that pull. You've felt that draw. He redeemed us, as it says in Colossians 1.14. And <clears throat> to be redeemed means that a ransom has been paid for you. You are released on ransom, not bail. Bail means that you have to still go before a judge. You're still on the hook. But we are free from judgment. We are not on the hook because of Jesus' death on the cross. He, he was substituted for our sins on the cross. He took them all on himself. The amazing grace of God bought us with his blood. That's what you learn in 1 Peter 3.18. It says that he died to make you alive in your spirit. We were dead spiritually, and he brought us back to life. Let's think about this right now. How can I love God back? I obey him. That's how you love him. John 14, 21, whoever has my commands and keeps them, 
He it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. The word manifest means to cause something to be fully known, clearly, and in some detail. As you obey the Lord, you discover more of who he is, and he reveals more of who he is in detail. Christ's followers talk about how to get to know Jesus all the time. We even sing about it. Obedience is how you get to know him. As you obey the Lord's commands, then you see how he comes through. He draws close to you. He comes through on what he's promised to do. You serve God throughout your lifetime. You love him and obey him by serving him. First Thessalonians 1.9 says, For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. The Thessalonians turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God because they were motivated by the grace of God to live for him. You love him by giving the first and best of the three most precious things to you, your money, your time, and your relationships. The first and best symbolizes the rest, all of your life. You give the first portion of your money, your day, and you make it a priority to Revolve around God's people. You center your life around the church, and he takes care of you. We are motivated to do this by the amazing grace of God. Titus 2, 11 and 12 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. It's the amazing grace of God that motivates us to rein in our spending and give the first portion of our money to the Lord, to develop a habit uh, of giving the first day of the week to God and the best part of your day to him as well. And you you make it a priority to revolve around church life. You you put your you make it a priority to invest in church. I want to stop and give you some time like I always do to Think through some next steps. Uh, you, you may have had some come to mind, but I have some suggestions for you. First of all, for the first time, I accept Christ as my Savior and commit to following him as Lord. Second, I will allow the love of Christ to control me. You may want to hear the, the messages in this 
series before deciding what you're going to do, but circle one that you, you want to learn more about. Starting to give the first portion of my money to him, making it a habit to give the first part of my day and week to him, giving priority to the people of God and making an investment in the church. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much for the way that you have made life to work and the the way that you have poured your amazing grace into our lives. Thank you, God, so much for what you've done. And I pray that you would motivate us by your love and grace to serve and obey you. May we do this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.